0: head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is going on, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student. And in this episode, I am having a conversation with one of my very good friends, Stephen Worley. Now, if you have watched a couple of the videos on my YouTube channel, or if you've ever heard about me talk about my mastermind groups, or as I like to call them, my Jedi Councils, Here on the podcast, you might know that Steven is one of the people in my main Jedi Council, the one that I talk with every two weeks, along with my friend Stefano from Collegetopia.co and my friend Zach Sexton, who is part of the team at Asian Efficiency. Now, Steven didn't have his own blog for a very long time because when I met him, he was running a podcast called Unstuckable, and it was all about how to get unstuck from careers you don't like, and there were over 100 episodes, and then he ended up ending that podcast and working in secret— or pseudo secret on a new project for quite some time. But that new project is now launched and it's called Life Skills That Matter. You can find that at lifeskillsthatmatter.com and Steven mainly wants to focus on helping people to work for themselves, to build their own businesses. But as somebody who's gone through many different stages in a very successful career and eventually ended up working for himself, he's also just very experienced in what it takes to figure out what you wanna do with your life. And that is kind of the main theme of this conversation. This conversation is basically about how to build self-awareness that helps you to make decisions that put you on a path you're going to be very satisfied with in your career. So hopefully it lends some clarity to your particular career plans and your own situation. And if you want to find the show notes to this episode, which include many different articles on his site that we talk about in the conversation and some other good resources, you'll find them over at cigpodcast.com slash 126. So without further ado, let's get into this interview with Stephen. Stephen, welcome to my show, man. I know it's about time, right? What the hell? It is. I know, right? I've known you for, what, over two years? Actually, this may be the two-year mark because yes. World Domination Summit was at some point in July 2014. Yes, And that's when we met.
1: Yeah, I was. we hit it off like, immediately. What a great... Did.
0: Well, there was really good breakfast. So Really
1: good breakfast. Was, you know, good food helps meetings. And we have to give some props to Zach Sexton for introducing us and setting us all up.
0: And I've been so unfair because Zach's been on the
1: show two or three times already. <laughs> and also to be fair, I kind of hadn't had my act together. You know, I've changed. That is a lot the of thing. Things. Yeah. So now I'm what I'm gonna be. So because now now,
0: now you've got life skills that matter. But when I met you, you had the Unstuckable podcast. And right. then It was just this huge
1: transition period.
0: So I've been very excited for you to launch this because for the longest time, I've been telling people, yeah, I'm in this Jedi Council with my friend Steven, who does, well, he did, Unstuckable. (laughs) And he uh, is very secretive, close to the chest about the new project. So it's out. It's really cool. And um, I wanted to talk to you now because we just had an episode come out A little while ago, it was a five questions episode and someone asked us, what are the most valuable life skills that people can have? And Martin and I started writing things down. Really? Seriously? Really? Yeah. That was a question. It was legit. Uh, Yeah.
1: So whoever wrote that, thank you. It's a good question. And I didn't know the question that whoever (laughs) asked that question and they were in college still.
0: Uh, I assume so. We now take the questions from our Reddit, so there's not really a way for us to tell who is behind the username.
1: I think anybody that takes the time to have a little reflection, a pause in life in our super over busy modern times that say, hold on a second. What are the best (laughs) life skills? I mean, I I think that's like, that's kind of a radical thought these days.
0: I didn't know which direction to go with this question Mm. back in that episode because I figured, okay, on one one hand, I can go with nunchuck skills, bow hunting skills, (laughs) all these things that are incredibly important. No, seriously, though, you know, changing a tire, or having a few meals you can cook, you know, really practical skills. But my brain first went to, hmm, how about like solution finding, or social skills, or adaptability, or listening? These kind of more general things that you can't teach in a weekend or something. They're the things that you just kind of very slowly take on, and you can't quite gauge your progress on a very minute scale. I I, would say. I
1: will challenge you because this is how the show is going down. I do think because the most important life skill, I think is self-awareness. Okay. And I think once you understand that concept of self-awareness I and mean, you're right, a lot of these less tangible, hard to quantify. I mean, this is why none of these skills are taught in our formal educations because you can't test them. Mm-hmm. Right. So we just don't teach them, <laughs> even though they're the most important skills. They're going to have everything to do with your success and happiness in life. Mm. But then when you cultivate that habit of self-awareness, so say like you're saying, I'm going to, i become a better listener. So you start having that awareness. And I've done this from time to time because you, you know me enough. Like I get super excited and I'm just going to start blabbing on talking over people. I <laughs> can't help myself. So this has been a valuable exercise to stop and listen. So I, And you just do it for like a week. You bring that awareness or if this is something you want to work on for start out with a week, then a month, maybe six months. And and kind of you have to create a cue for yourself of like, okay, when I'm in a really deep conversation, I train myself to ask questions and Mm. that's going to make me a better listener. Or I'm going to just take notes and just ask follow up questions. So, I mean, that's just one little quick example. But I I do believe these life skills can be monitored and tracked, but it has to do you for the first life skill you really need to learn is how to practice self-awareness, which most of us, I didn't even know how to do that. Or was even aware that this was a thing until my early thirties. Mm. So if you, the earlier you can like get a hold on that skill early on in life, that is the skill that is going to really help you in everything that you want to do. So
0: if this is the most valuable life skill, yeah. can we put a concrete definition on it?
1: Yes. So I wrote a whole blog post. Maybe we can link to this into the show notes. Okay. Cuz I wrote about, you know, that what down. is self-awareness and I really kind of defined what is awareness first and and then it's on the self. So awareness is really paying attention and it's really focusing your conscious energy on focusing on one thing at a time. Okay. And then it's the self. So you're focusing on things that you're doing. So it's kind of from a third party perspective. It's almost as if you were watching my behavior for an hour. Maybe I'm interacting with people. I'm doing something in the world. And then and I, I would say, Thomas, what did you observe? And you very impartially say, hey, I noticed that you do this and this. And you re- react in this way when this happens. So self-awareness is being able to do that, but to yourself, right? Okay. Which is very hard. Um, so it's about watching yourself. And, it's, and I think the most critical part of self-awareness is where a lot of us get caught. And what hurts us is how we react to things. Right. Sometimes we overreact, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. So one of the challenges I've had for myself over the last year is I want to monitor why I get angry. Okay and so bringing awareness so i i and you and you get better and better at first i'm like okay i almost needed other people to say like wow you seem really angry right right and then you start getting more and they're like and that's a cue i'm like oh god they said i'm angry so what's happening here so then i can start feeling the physical sensations of what happens to my body when i'm getting angry so i can feel mm. like i'm getting hotter my heart rate's elevated i might even feel tightness in my chest or stomach I'm also noticing I'm speaking quicker. I'm also noticing that my mind is just becomes uber fixated. I feel self-pity when I'm angry. Yeah. So there's this mental and physical awareness that starts to go on so that now more quickly I can start seeing what are some of my emerging symptoms of anger before somebody else has to tell me that I'm angry. And that way I can mm. short-circuit it more quickly and start then the next level is like, Why am I angry? How do I solve this? How do I reject? When is anger okay? When is it not okay?
0: So it's almost like this little detached part of your brain, like a very analytical, scientific part, wearing a lab coat (laughs) saying, Hmm, I notice you're angry right now. I notice that you really want to say some very clever response to the person that has said something you don't like and you think this is going to make everything better. But you also know that in five minutes everything will have gone to hell because you said that.
1: <laughs> well, you know that trigger is now for me, and I want to want to. I'm going to use your analogy. That guy or gal in the lab coat also observes you with zero judgment. Mm. They're just saying what happened. They're not saying whether it was bad or good. Okay, that is up to you to decide. Is this a behavior that is going to guide me in the direction that I want to go? Right? Yeah. And I think. What short, what I've learned, what makes me want to prevent becoming angry is productivity and saving time. Cause I don't know about you, Thomas, but sometimes I've gotten, I'm, I have Irish ancestry and I've gotten so enraged with people or things sometimes that I become obsessed and I will think hours, days, if not weeks about it. Okay. And who does that hurt? Me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't hurt the other people. Doesn't hurt the situ- situation or in whatever inanimate object I'm angry with. Uh, So I've wasted this energy, this time, my mental capacity on something that I should have let go of.
0: Yeah. That's why I click out of news articles. The (laughs) moment, the moment I start to feel that little tiny inkling of Mm -hmm. rage or out out or indignation, I want to tweet something. No, (laughs) just have to click out because
1: there's nothing I can do. It will just waste my time. And I also want to let everybody listening right now, the worst thing you can do is if you're feeling angry do not put it into writing. The only form of writing that it is okay is if you want to write something to yourself. And I would do it in handwriting so you can't easily email it or mm. tweet it or put it on Snapchat, whatever. But that is the worst time because then that's when I was reading, I can't remember, I think it was Buddha's Brain, I forget the author's name, but they were talking about the second arrows. The first arrow is that you felt attacked, you had your snarky comment, mm-hmm. and then the second arrow is your your are you're adding to it. You're you're feeding into your reaction, so you're actually continuing it beyond what that the the first assault. So was the
0: second arrow is yourself coming to yourself. So you're like shooting a bow in the air, and it's coming back down to hit you a second time.
1: Absolutely, you're you're your oh. own worst enemy. And I know this is so, oh, people. I know this is so hard. It is so hard, and I'm still trying to do a good job at it. But I can't. This will save you lots of time, lots of angst, mm. and and I think you're also talking about this idea of self-awareness and then you were talking, what are the best life skills when you're, you started the show. And I think that's that it's, you have to define that, right? There isn't right. necessarily the only right life skills to learn. And that's where you have to understand what your purpose is or your direction or your sense of curiosity is in life mm-hmm. of what, how do you want to spend your time on earth? Right. We all have a limited amount of time. And that's where the self-awareness comes in to start guiding you to help you find what is that purpose? And that can change over time. You might have a couple different ones throughout your life. And, and then the idea is to use your self-awareness to be aligning your behaviors, your thought patterns, and your habits toward that purpose. And a lot of times I'll tell you one thing I told, told you this before you are so much more productive than I was in my twenties because I got a job. Cause I was supposed to do that. Cause that's what everybody does when they leave college <laughs> and, I wanted to do something fun and sexy, so I went to New York City, and I worked for a PR firm, and I got a job at CBS News, and I went out too much and spent too much money on booze. I had a great time, though. I want to ask you about that. But, gosh, if I could do it all over again, I think you have to have that balance of having fun. Mm. But I, I think if I – if I would like to tell people, I think the first 10 years out of college is skill acquisition. We've talked about this a lot. Yes where it's about, you know, you know, I'm very passionate about self-employment. I really think people should give self-employment a shot. You know, it's not encouraged in our academic environment. Right. But at the same time, when you have jobs, you know, you should be going into a job, not just for the title and the money and all Mm -hmm. that stuff, but you should almost be interviewing the boss and be like, what are the the top three skills I'm going to learn as a result of doing this job? And that's actually a fantastic question. Because that's really what you should be thinking about because you want to grow in this. I don't want, because otherwise you're going to end up doing stuff you don't want to do, you don't know why you're doing it. You're going to get really frustrated Mm -hmm. and then uh, you can end up wasting 10 years of your life and you don't want to do that.
0: And a little side note here that actually just made me realize a very good perspective to go into an interview with is that you don't know everything you're going to need for this job. And that's a good thing because as an employer of sorts at this point in my life, if I'm bringing somebody on, I don't want someone who is going to remain at their level of skill. Maybe I will in the future if I have a gigantic business and I need, okay, my accountant, right? I'm not hiring my accountant hoping to help them grow in their accounting skills. I'm hiring my accountant because they need to help me with accounting. And I, I hope they have all the skills they need already. Same and we with my lawyer. I do not want them right? doing creative accounting at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want creative lawyering being done. I want my lawyer to know how to set up my LLC, to know how to look over a contract, right? She'll probably learn things along the way, but... That's not my perspective, but in a lot of other positions such as my friend Martin who edits this podcast and who helps me with video development, I am assuming that he's going to learn new things and I want that to happen because he's going to become creatively better. And I think in a lot of these positions, that is the case. Couldn't agree
1: with you more. And I, but I would also argue if you are in an accounting profession or you want to go and tell you listening to this, there's so much, there's so many, the world of accounting is enormous. You know, mm-hmm. I think Thomas and I were, we don't know. You know, we just know that we want a healthy business. We want our book. <laughs> we don't want the government after us. That's our view of accounting, but uh, it's huge. And there's so many different paths. So you have to really understand what's your niche in accounting. And I think right back to that self-awareness practice, a lot of times the way our entire economy has been set up for the last 200 years is we always have to, f- you know, fit our square peg into a round hole. We always have to feel like we have to change ourselves to fit into a job. Mm. And as you know, The world's changing and uh, and I do not believe that this is a healthy way to be living, that with self-awareness, you start to understand what it is that you want. How do you like to work? When do you like to work? Who do you like to work with? What are your fears? What is the stuff you need to get over with? uh, Over and all that stuff. So that way you can start really seeking out employment opportunities or opportunities rather than applying for jobs. Mm. I'm just going to share one radical thought with your audience here, Thomas. Can I do that?
0: Yeah. No, actually you can't. Sorry.
1: Because some people will be like, that's crazy. I'll do a little second addendum to that. Number one, I don't think you should, have, when you leave college, do not apply for a job. That when you apply for a job, okay, you end up in a pile of resumes. You end up just being a cog. People, when, they are, when a, a corporation or a company is just putting out a request to have a position filled, generally, I would say it's, in the words of Seth Godin, it's a cog position. They just want a a specific task Mm. done over and over again. What I want you to do is to create your job. Instead of just going out to see what jobs are currently available, make a list of companies that you would like to work for and reach out to them. Mm. Even if just an informational interview to say, I really like what you're all about. I'm not sure if you have anything available right now, but at least I'd love to talk to somebody because... Because if that's the kind of company you want to be working with, the culture you want to work with, eventually they are going to hire somebody. Or sometimes they end up even creating a job for you because they like you so much and you're, you're going to fit in with their culture. It's a very yeah. different mindset.
0: Yeah. Oh, great story in this. So my mom was telling me about this the other day, actually. When she and my dad moved from California to Iowa, they, were, they met in the Air Force. And uh, me being born was their exit from the Air Force. So they moved back to Iowa, where my dad's family's from, and they were both dental techs in the Air Force, but they didn't, well, my mom at least didn't really know anybody in the town they'd moved to. So she told me that she called up a dentist in town and asked, I don't know if you have any positions available, but I would love for the opportunity to interview with you. So that way, if you have a dentist friend who happens to need somebody, you could potentially recommend me. And she said, looking back on it, it sounds ridiculous asking someone to take out their time to interview you and then give you away to their competition. But she did it anyway. And what ended up happening is the dentist liked her so much that he was really trying to find a way to open up a position in his office. There wasn't one, but he really wanted to try to find a way to open one up. And if he would have been able to, he would have
1: been able to hire her and he really wanted to. So that's I love it. just connects right in with what you said. This is exactly what people need to be doing because I believe one of the most important life skills, regardless of what you end up doing in life, is the idea of building community. Mm -hmm. And so many times when we're looking for a job, that's the only time that we're, quote unquote, networking or looking to meet other people because we're looking for something. Right, right. When really, I would say, don't make a connection, make a friend. Mm -hmm. Don't network, build a community. And when you're doing that, you're constantly looking out out for people that you're generally interested in. And yeah. when you're generally interested in somebody, they're generally interested in you and they want to take care of you. They want to help you. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get the job that you want or the opportunity that you want. You're going to get paid way better than applying for a job and ending up in a pile of resumes.
0: There was a book. I don't know if you know who Colin Wright is. He's uh, a, that does sound familiar. He's a, He's kind of in our online space. He's an author. And I don't know if he does this anymore, but for a while, he would live in a country for four months and then let his audience vote on which country he'd go to next. It was a Ash. pretty cool model. But he wrote all these ebooks. and one of them was called, at the time, I think it was called Networking Awesomely. I think he changed it over to Networking Fundamentals. But I read that really early on in college, and the thing that struck me the most about that book is his description of networking was, I meet people, I go out to the bars with them, I have fun, we stumble home drunk together, all that kind of stuff. And at the time, you know, I didn't drink, I was too young, I thought, oh, the partying thing is dumb. But... He's not going to career fairs and shaking hands while wearing a suit and giving out a business card. He's just making friends with people. And then, you know, big insight, people who are your friends are also your business contacts and they care for you and they'll break you out of jail. But your business contacts are not also your friends. They won't do those things. It's a purely economic relationship, you know, usually mutually beneficial. So
1: and that I would say really built industrial- that into my brain. And it's that industrial, you know, you're just a cog, you're just a resource to be used by a huge corporation mentality. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're moving into economy where I think it's going to be more based on human connections again.
0: Yeah. Now I have, I'm always ever the moderate. You probably know this. So I have to give a <laughs> counterpoint. <laughs> you have to take stock of your resources and your runway when you're going to do something like this. So totally. if you're going to graduate and your loans come due the day you graduate and you have almost no money in the bank. Then you may have to apply for jobs as well, I think, but to your point, you should also be doing this uh, building your own job, finding connections, doing things you know targeting companies based on where you want to work rather than what's available as well, and probably investing most of your effort into those
1: kind of projects Let me counterpoint your counterpoint. Ooh, the Why the wait? Point. That's the other thing in college. And I did this too. I did not have a job upon graduating college. I went back to my bank teller job, my summer job. Really? And then, thank God. One of my college roommates, like you got you, I can get you a job at this PR from New York city. Just give me a resume. Done deal. Okay. Like, <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> liberate me from this, you know, cause I was trying to get a job in television at the time. And it mm-hmm. was, that's very, very hard. But I think sometimes if you do know what you want to do, or even if you don't know what you want to do, it is about being curious. I think it's not never too early in the college process. You know, that's the big struggle of what we all need to reinvent and rethink. What is the role of college in our lives? Because I'm from a generation where my parents thought, Stephen, you know, the kids, they got to go to school. We'll pay whatever. And then everything will take care of itself. And and there's plenty of studies, definitely people who go to college definitely have greater career opportunities, economic opportunities, Mm -hmm. no question. But the cost is going up so much.
0: Well, one thing I do want to mention on that point, I just read an article the other day about how some massive percentage, like 98 or 99% of all the jobs that came back after the Great Recession went to college-educated people. Yes. So it really is important. I think there is certainly a minority of people who are autodidacts who have that very problem solving based mindset who don't need college and you have the whole uncollege movement out there just preaching to them. But for the most part, the economy still wants a college degree. So I am still ever the moderate again in the camp of get your degree, but also augment it with a lot of extra
1: stuff that helps you stand a, out. Yeah, I think I think sometimes in college we focus on the grades. Mm-hmm. We focus on all the extracurricular activities to fill out a resume. And then we miss the opportunity of constantly just listening to ourselves and our own curiosities about, I want to go meet somebody who does this and set up a coffee and, or, or find a way to meet them or go hang out with them or shadow mm-hmm. them for a day. And I think that's really the opportunity for college is bringing back some of those, the old school ideas of being an apprentice. You know, right, this right. is about being curious and I think too often people are looking at college as I'm just looking for people to constantly tell me what to do. You know, this is what I majored in. What courses should I be taking? Yes. What's the next step and life. I hate to tell you folks does not work that way. Mm-hmm. And we're leaving an economy where we had a predefined path. My father worked for AT&T for 30 years. We all know that's gone. And now we all have to define our own path. There is not going to be somebody there telling you what to do every year, every two years. Right. And start thinking like that now in college, you have a four year runway Mm -hmm. to like, not have to worry about paying bills and to meet as many people as you can. And even if you're an introvert, you know, just look for ways to be engaging people on your terms. You know, I always tell, you know, introverts, you know, find a way to explore your curiosities by creating stuff. And maybe you don't wanna have to meet people or deal with people in a conversation, but they can interact with your creation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think a lo- the way that a lot of people view college is kind of like old school per- first person shooters maybe, you know. You run through the level, you get the keys, you need red key, yellow key, whatever, open the door, boom, level's over. Now you're in your job, good to go. I don't view college like that. And as my perspective shifted throughout my college career, I became less anxious about being a college blogger quote unquote after I graduated because it was no longer college separate by a giant wall adult world is more like your 20s especially but hopefully your whole life but especially your 20s and your late teens are the apprenticeship years which start out in mostly academic you know sitting in the classroom kind of stuff you're paying for it and then they transition into you're putting in more work but it's still kind of the same thing you don't really know exactly what you want to do you're learning every single day and it's just this huge period of change so kind of view it as just this just, just one road and along the way you kind of switch
1: the work you're doing up a little bit, but the purpose of it doesn't really change. I mean, that's, you're such a, you are a living example of this philosophy mm-hmm. of really continuing. And it's about the idea. I think another life skill that matters to me is the concept of self-directed learning. Once again, most right. of college is being directed externally by somebody else that you have to, you know have that natural curiosity to listen to yourself through self-awareness to know what do I want to dig at? Like, there's something on my mind. I got to go explore that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, exactly. So one, I mean, your podcast, the one you used to do is all about getting stuck in careers yeah. and how to get out of that. And I think that's kind of where a lot of this, this faulty thinking leads where we get into career paths that we don't like, and then we don't know how to get out of them. And I think a really good way to illustrate maybe how to make those transitions would be just to talk about your career story, which I have been curious about anyway. <laughs> uh, I know you worked in. I wrote TV. a I
1: wrote a four thousand word <laughs> blog post. <laughs> I'm so sorry, it's a long read, but I felt like it was like it was cathartic starting this business right. just yeah. to write a testament and to, be, to be like wow. Because sometimes my career story is a lot about the story of the economy. Yeah, and that's why I decided so. Maybe we can link that too if somebody wants to like go through, read a short story there. Yeah. But,
0: so I've got that uh, in the show notes, but I know you said you got a job at CBS is it CBS? And a, yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, that was another kind of back in the day of that, uh, that analogy of like, I want to work in television journalism mm-hmm. and, you know, they don't necessarily like put jobs, you know, back then. This is 1996. So there wasn't even job postings online. I know. Oh my God. You're like, how old is this guy? You <laughs> know I mean? Like, I'd like to say the world changed super fast. Okay. Open up Mosaic. <laughs> <laughs> There used to this huge book called Bacon's Media that had all the contact information for all the television so it shows uh, at the network level in New York. Mm-hmm. So I just would go, there, grab five numbers every day, go to a pay phone, no cell phones, folks. I would call and say, like, do you have any jobs? Blah, blah, blah. finally got one. And I paid ten dollars an hour. I had no benefits. Had to work weekends. I actually left the day I got a promotion at the PR firm. Okay. Because I think that's another. Uh, I think a great highlight of saying I knew what I wanted, where I was going to go. Where a lot of people get very tempted by the short term title, the promotion, the money. Mm. And I can't tell you, Thomas, how many people I interviewed through Unstuckable. They they would say, God, After ten years, I realized how far success. Me. T- how far success took me away from what I originally wanted to do. Yeah. And that really was like wow, you know, because what is success to you? Is it really the money and the titles and all that stuff? And I know when you're chomping at the bit starting life and I was there, it's hard to avoid that stuff and and move through that distraction,
0: especially when you've got friends saying, "Man, I just got hired by, you know, this huge company. I'm going to get yeah. 60k starting. I'm going to have the most baller apartment ever." And you got to want that. You kind of thinking well, I left. I'm I the I same time as them. I should have that too. And yeah. I'm a
1: very together person. I mean, I left college with like no job, like <laughs> nothing.
0: Did you I, say you I, were
1: together back then? Yeah, I was very okay. sharp person. I but I, you know what? There was I. Th- this was kind of a beginning of the crack for me of where I started saying, "Wow, life. My lifetime is going to be very different than what, what the lifetime was for my parents." The first crack was. I thought I was going to be a lawyer because where I grew up, Mm. most of the people in my town are very educated. My parents were blue collar, but you were going to be a a doctor or a lawyer. So I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. So from the time I'm 12, that's what I thought I was going to do. And then I studied abroad uh, my junior year, came back. One of my friends uh, to London. London, Okay, cool. So uh, one of my, I went back to visit my buddies. I went to Providence college, went to Providence, went up to Providence, Rhode Island. And, uh, they said, Hey, I noticed that there's an internship for the late show with David Letterman. You should apply for that. Cause I know how much you love Letterman. So I did, I found I was like due the next day. So I FedExed off my very simple resume, <laughs> not much to put on <laughs> at that time. I ended up getting an interview it was really exciting. Went to New York, got the whole tour and everything did not get the internship. Okay. But then all of a sudden in my head, I was like, huh, this is interesting. So later that summer, I come home from my bank teller job. You know, I'm going to my senior year of college. And my mom said, somebody from the Conan O'Brien show called for you. And I did not apply to them. Nobody even knew who he was. And they did offer me an internship, but I didn't want to graduate from college a semester late. So I said, okay, something's happening here. And then I got internships at television stations in Rhode Island. And I've been in media ever since. But I think that is what I want to tell the folks listening right now is, Listen to yourself, like of all of a sudden something's happening out there and you're feeling these things, even though you are Mm. so committed to doing this thing, because when you're early on in your life, if you're really committed to something, generally it's because your parents want you to do it, or it's what your local culture expects you to do. It's a very small group of people that know that they're going to be a gymnast from the age of six and they're going to go to the Olympics, right? Mm -hmm. So. Challenging or yourself. figure skaters, in my case, or figure skaters later <laughs> in life. Maybe we're going to see you in the what uh, twenty twenty four Olympics. Oldest
0: so. Olympic skater <laughs> by a large margin.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, that would be awesome! Now, uh, the way it's going, they're going to be they are pushing the limits of human biology at this point. Oh like, yeah, it's like record. doing anything more than a quad is pretty ridiculous. Scientifically speaking, the g forces are nuts.
1: Yeah, it's free. All those people. It's it's impressive. It's just you're in awe. It, it
0: baffles me. See, I yeah. when my coach says something like, oh, someday you could do a triple, I think, okay, that sounds reasonable. But then if she's like, if she says something, you do a quad, my brain just goes, uh. <laughs> the lizard brain is like, no, actually. nope. Not nope. happening. <laughs> but who knows? And, 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 and
1: maybe kind of smart
0: on the lizard brain's part. It's true. There's going to be a lot of falling and learning that when that one But to your point, also, you know, you've got your local community, you've got your school. I think there's also just this kind of tendency to latch on to the first thing that really kind of connects. So for me, it was IT. I really liked computers. I learned how to build websites when I was 12 years old. And when I went into college, I was rooming with a bunch of computer engineers. So I had to, of course, build my own computer. And I worked at the computer center, not necessarily because I wanted to be in IT at first, but I mean, I think I did. I think working there really started to solidify it. And I would probably be in IT now had I not kept a journal during my big corporate IT internship. Because even today, there are, there are challenging days when I don't wanna make the video, I don't wanna edit, I don't wanna speak in front of a camera and I start to think little rose tinted thoughts. It was so simple back then. I just went into work, I went into my cubicle, didn't have to talk to anybody really and did my work. And then I can open up my Evernote journal and I can read the entries. I don't like this. I want to work for myself. I feel like a cog that is really doing nothing to affect anyone's destiny whatsoever. This is horrible. It's written right there in, well, not ink, but digital ink. And uh, it will never go away.
1: And I just wanted to say you are illustrating the most important self-awareness habit. Writing. Of writing. Mm or expressing yourself. Somehow. If you're not a writer, just like, you know, somehow you're doing drawings every day, but that's a way to, I always say it's a way to like, we we, we stay inside our heads too much when we're right. going through all these storms, strung that there's something about getting it out of our head into a physical form, because instead of just seeing it on the screen in our mind, all of a sudden we see it out in the world. And sometimes it takes on a different perspective, a different context, and mm-hmm. even other people can engage with it. And then you can go back to it. Like right now you're able to talk to your, yourself from ages ago because of you wrote it down yeah and it can brings you right back there and you're like oh yeah i'm not i'm not <laughs> going back <there." laughs> every time i look at it I just double back down on what i'm doing because i don't want to go back and it, so yeah i'm not going back either no way i'm 16 16 <laughs> years out man so but but seriously if you're not writing now and i think a lot of times when you're people think about writing a journal it seems like that seems like people did and olden times or teenage girls do that. It's, that is one of the number one practices I've seen through all the entrepreneurs that I've read about, Mm -hmm. talked to, interviewed, they have a writing habit. Yeah. And I need to get back into mine and it's okay to like, (laughs) let it go. You can have it, you can restore it, you know? Yeah. And it can take on all different types of forms. You have to find out what works for you, but it's about back to your saying, it's hard to track some of these life skills that are not as quantifiable. But uh, writing a journal, that is what is tracking our progress. That, And I also tell people writing a journal is like it's a, a way to communicate with your subconscious. So, so after a week, a month, maybe six months, all of a sudden you can see all these patterns. You're like, wow, I keep writing about this. This must yeah. be really bugging me. I'm really excited about that. And you can say there must be something to that so, so you can take the time to explore it.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's really great to see those patterns because when you don't write them down, you tend to either overestimate or underestimate and justify things. You know, this is happening all the time. Or maybe you aren't noticing something that is happening all the time. And yet you're doing it, you know, such as yeah. when I was a student and I would have just this once my energy drink because i was studying library and, you know, not noticing that these are like four times a week at least, bro. <laughs>
1: I <laughs> can't do that. I'm naturally caffeinated. <laughs> you're naturally caffeinated. I cannot do caffeine. It it makes me so jittery. Like the does smallest amount, it? like decaf Starbucks, will like make my heart rate go up. Really? Oh yeah. It does
0: basically nothing to
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> I once had a decaf iced coffee Starbucks at nine o'clock at night. I didn't fall asleep until five thirty in the morning.
0: Really? Well, yeah. nine o'clock at night is a bad idea. So, I read some idea. study that said um, caffeine can affect your sleep up to nine hours before you go to sleep. Oh so yeah. you shouldn't I drink caffeine that. after. Basically noon. Yeah, I think. Kind of a I, I break that rule sometimes, but <laughs> I usually
1: stick to the mornings, which is good. So do you want me to quickly do quick highlights of rest of career or have a couple of other things? Yeah,
0: because going back to what you said, so you didn't intern on the Conan O'Brien show?
1: No, I did not turn it down.
0: Okay. Do you regret that?
1: Uh, no. You don't regret it all? I don't because it was... Because it gave me what I needed, it, mm. it put me on my own path to be like, huh, media okay. as a career, okay. And I was more interested. I was a history major, so I was more much more interested in storytelling and news. And that's what I always okay. tell people today. I really, this is a thread of my career. What I'm doing today was not unlike that moment in time of starting to go into television news and journalism. That I love telling stories and listening to stories and sharing them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, it set me on this path. And because I'm not a yeah, I'm not a comedian. It's not anything I ever wanted to do. I loved when I was a little kid. You know, I loved all the old time comedians—Bob Hope, Lucille Ball, George Burns—but I don't think I ever wanted to be one of them. I just really loved them. Yeah, but I love—I love stories. Mm,
0: okay, and you probably wouldn't have got that on, you know, a late night talk show. As I would much. have set me
1: off in a different direction, right? You know, and I—and I'm kind of glad that I had the courage. When you really think about that, at at 20 years old, to like say no to something like that—that's. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't think of that as kind of a, a big accomplishment, you know, that's kind of
0: hard yeah. to do. Well, I do think about that sometimes with my internship, I got the call uh, with the offer and they didn't even want to interview me cause I'd gone to networking events and, and I've done enough with them that they felt I was a good fit. So they just offered it. And it was before I had done any of the other interviews. I had seven interviews on the books for other companies and I just said yes. And I canceled yeah. all all the other ones, you know, and I'm satisfied with that internship experience. But sometimes I do wonder, like, what would have happened if I said, hey, you know, I've got some other interviews. Would you mind if I waited? You know, I'm not even sure if that's a good tactic to do when you get a job offer. But well, um, it, it is hard. Yeah, that yeah. is
1: hard. And but back if you're not just applying and you're building relationships, it's easier to have that conversation with somebody that you're friendly with mm. rather than just this anonymous entity with a company. Right. Yeah. Once again, true. just trying to like give another to like go out and build your community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you got, let's well, see, so you didn't work at, at Conan
0: you worked at a local TV station at first. Right? Yeah. in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. Okay. And then you moved on to CBS from there after college?
1: Well, I couldn't, I couldn't get a job. I was trying to find a job and that's a challenge. Once again, they don't like put job postings out for those types of jobs. So uh, my friend, Michael, uh, Michael Mitchell, thank you, who got me my first media job. I worked at Elman Public Relations in Times Square. And then I, yeah, started calling around and I eventually got this job at CBS News. And it was, like I said, I think that's another story I was, I rejected the success, which is hard to do, the more money, the title for a $10 an hour job, no vacation, no benefits. And they, they, they were even said to me, they're like, this is what you do right now and you want this? Are you sure? <laughs> and I'm like, I just want in. Mm-hmm. And then like three months later, I, I got a promotion, I got a full-time gig and salary. And so it all fell into place. But I think that's when you know what you want to do. You have to kind of go for it and you have to look at it. At, at, I always looked at things in the long term for some reason. When I really look back, I think I already I always had that about myself. And then on a day to day basis, I was always like, what kind of skills could I be acquiring here? Who am I meeting? What am I learning on a daily basis? It's, it never stops. I think a lot of times people, back to your wall analogy, like that learning just never stops. It just takes on a different form. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's a little harder because it's all on you now. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's happening in our world. We are all becoming entrepreneurs, whether we like it or not. Yep. And you, you can't stop learning. Just can't. Because yep. that's the val, the value creator. Yep. Just like the College infogee t-shirt says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I, so I lasted, I, I worked for five years. I worked at CNBC. I worked at dot .com, got laid off from that. Mm-hmm. And um, I spent five years of like not knowing really what I want to do. I, I realized that I never wanted to get a job again. I didn't want to, I didn't like that feeling of being laid off and having, it'd be done on somebody else's terms, not mine. Okay. And I, I went to business school and I, you could read the post, but I, I talk about kind of the glacial transformation I went through to become an entrepreneur. It took me right. five years to say, I'm an entrepreneur. I work for myself, even though I've been doing it for five years. Mm-hmm. And I call that being a reluctant entrepreneur. And I think there's going to end up being more reluctant entrepreneurs in our economy over the next 10 years than intentional ones. A reluctant entrepreneur. Yeah, something like that. I got to do calendrums, you know. (laughs) So I think a lot of people are going to end up relating to that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, it's scary in the short term, well worth it in the long term, because you get to set up your own system for the rest of your life and how you're going to go down. And back to the idea of you should be constantly networking, building value. Anyway, when you work for yourself, it forces you to constantly do that. When you have a job and you're somewhere for two years, you kind of get soft pretty quickly. You're not networking. You're only like talking to your immediate colleagues inside that company. So you're not getting a lot of perspective. You might be kind of getting stale in your job. You're not like learning new things. Mm-hmm. But as you know, you and I, I probably have not a week goes by that we're not learning something new or we're not a little frightened. And you know, yeah. That's good.
0: And I think it's so important. I, I talked with Andrew about this on a previous LMM episode. There's this sort of atrophy that happens with your skills if you're not mm. constantly like running on the treadmill because the systems you work with are getting old or they're getting more specific to the business that you work for, and that business could go under at any time. But the things you're supporting with those skills don't atrophy for the most part. You eventually have kids, most people, you tend to upgrade your housing, you upgrade everything you have. And if you're not also upgrading your skills and making new connections, well, we heard a story about one lady who was making 100K a year, but her job, she'd been doing the same job for like 20 or 30 years using Fortran and super old <laughs> systems. All of a sudden, her company goes under, and those skills are completely useless now. Yeah. You know, so I, I think I heard she had to go take like a 40K a year job or something. So, a complete destination of her personal life because
1: the skills were atrophied. And I think mean that this is much more of a, like, if you don't take the time stock now, of like listening to what Thomas and I are talking about these, some of these skills, it's going to catch up to you. Cause I mm-hmm. thing that you really want to do, or those curiosities that you didn't explore, they eventually manifest themselves sometime right. you're late or as early as your late twenties, sometimes as late as your early fifties, and you're going to have to do something about them. And what ends up happening, the most common question I get from somebody late 20s, they've achieved a certain degree of financial success. They like their lifestyle. They're like, ooh, I want to make this change, but I don't want to take a pay cut. Right, right. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, it just does not work that way. You are going to have to take a pay cut. You're going to have to readjust your lifestyle to build back up again because you weren't doing – the job of knowing what you want to do all along
2: mm-hmm. and
1: living slightly below your means to have that cushion behind you. And I think that that's mm-hmm. a whole other show we could talk about how to manage your finances.
0: But And that depends on the degree of change, too. Yes. You know, like Cal Newport talks about in So Good They Can not Ignore You, there's this career capital and there's always kind of this adjacent possible area where you could move into or your skills do translate very well. Or I
1: call it your plan B. Yeah, your plan B, but if
0: your if your plan B is so far removed from right. what plan A is, then yeah, you have to take a pay
1: cut because you don't have that career capital. Absolutely. Um, I just had a brain fart and I thought I forgot my last thought. <laughs> well, maybe it'll come back.
0: I, I was really curious to hear about your transition to working for yourself because I know what you did as an entrepreneur was pretty different from what I did. You weren't making content at first, right?
1: When I yeah, I was. I, I would say I would argue I was making content because a lot of my revenue came from speaking gigs. Okay. Okay. So I fell into this. I mean, I was doing, I guess my very first entrepreneurial experiences where I was doing project management back to your, just your analogy. I was using my producing skills from television and mm-hmm. then starting to use them in, in the internet and producing other different types of media on a freelance kind of basis. Okay. But it wasn't like your own blog or your own. No, none of that. Anything. no. Mm-hmm. And I think I was actually on somebody else's channel. There was a, a, a there was a a website I was managing for a company while okay. I was in business school. It was called TV Spy. It'd been around for a long time. Like all the tele, local television news people were on it, and there was a newsletter that went out to twenty five thousand people. And I started writing a weekly article about the future of television. I would interview somebody, mm-hmm. and that's how I started building up my name. And that that is something where when i network or when i build my community i usually do it through content you know i was doing inbound marketing before it was a term right yeah because that's what it is it's putting yourself out there building your expertise and i always like to say building it underneath somebody else's brand mm-hmm. right because i was an unknown quantity but here's tv spy very well-known brand respected so they're like oh he's associated with them it must be good mm-hmm. and i got my first speaking geek out of that this uh broadcast company said if we're having an executive meeting in florida in a month i love what you've been writing about like would you can you put a presentation together and i'm like sure that was the first and last speaking gig that i was not paid for <laughs> <laughs> i was so excited to be like oh they want to all right great they're gonna pay for me to fly down let's do it and now you're just like i don't get out of bed for less than 10k Mic well <laughs> i think sometimes it it gets when you start to do something a lot and you know how mm-hmm. hard it is i think that actually helps you sh- be more confident about the value. Right. Right. Yeah. And now I, 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 cause a lot of people are like, Oh my God, are you asked for $10,000 to have somebody speak for 90 for 90 minutes? And I'm like, well, yeah, because it's a lot of work. I know the work I put into it and the travel and all that sort of thing. And, and you, that's and you, low. And comparison. I spent years Oh, definitely. I mean, and spent years accumulating this experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, you're, you're imparting so many hours of work in your talk. Totally, that's yeah. People don't even ever see that. It's all those little nuggets and and all the little side phone calls. Like I had, I'm doing my final broadcast sales training in October, and I was you know talking to people, you know, and that's why I do an interview. I'm like frontline people, like, what's going on? What do you want me to tell your sales team? You know that. Yeah. And people don't realize all that work that goes into all those little conversations. Actually, um, before we move
0: on, I think it's really interesting because some people this does baffle them. You know how how could a speaker get paid ten thousand dollars when they're just on stage for half an hour? So I would love to break down the economics of it just to sure. illustrate this real quick. So, I mean, if you have 10, 20 years of
1: broadcast experience or, or some skill. I, I I would say at the time I was, I would I would start, I would be paid. I, it went up. I, the first mm-hmm. gigs were 3000. Then they went to five. Then I went for broke and I went up 10. Okay. Um, it's like boom. So th- so there was a graduated experience because what I would think there's a couple of things. There's experience, but there's also brand recognition. And uh-huh. then there's demand, right? Because all of a sudden I could only I could do like three speaking gigs a month. That's about my max. Yeah. It's just too tiring to do it. I believe it or not, traveling and getting ready. And all of my presentations were unique. Some speakers just have a canned presentation where they do it over and over and over again. That wasn't my style. And right. I think that's why a lot of people want to hire me, because they knew they were going to get something very customized. So I think there's the time you're putting in, there's the uh, expertise, the brand recognition, and the demand.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And so to kind of break that down, you know, just to make it more concrete. Sure. How many people are usually in an audience when you speak?
1: Oh, it could be... It's because remember, I'm talking to a very niche group of people. I'm talking right. to broadcast industry, radio, and television, then within that, mm-hmm. I'm talking to people digital advertising. Yeah, so I'm I could have I could huge. have an audience as small as thirty and still get paid ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and it could be as large as five hundred. And so that sounds crazy, but you know, if you're the event
0: coordinator who's marketing the event, then you can say, "All right, I'm we're going to bring thirty people into this room. All thirty of you have the potential to make." You know, an extra ten grand next year through totally. what you will learn through this, so we can justify selling a ticket to this conference for two thousand dollars. And I don't know, I'm just completely fudging the numbers right sure. there. But if that's if that's the, uh, the you know the event price, and you're packing thirty people in the room, that's sixty k. Paying you ten of that makes right. sense.
1: Well, and it and I think it's a great analogy the way you're breaking this down because it's almost like instead of them hiring me one on one, which would almost be more right? Cause yes. I'd be charging $10,000 <laughs> a month. Um, they're all kind of coming together as a collective to mm-hmm. getting a deal. Right. Yeah. So that that's the way to, to kind of look at these things. And I think, yeah, a lot of people, we talk about this in, in our business, how people really struggle with asking for large dollar amounts. I think sometimes people ask for large dollar amounts and have no right to and yeah, exactly the marketplace is going to call them out anyway. But I think other times people are just charging to not enough. You know? Yeah. And so, I
0: mean, that's a skill you got to learn when you're an entrepreneur. It's it's pricing on value and it's pricing value your yourself. Or
1: even if you're, as you're managing your career, as I can tell you how many times I've worked with people when they're going to get that next job. And they, I'm like, how much are you asking for? I'm like, mm-hmm. not enough. You know, and I get them to ask $20,000, $30,000 above that. Yeah, exactly. And I show them how to do it.
0: I think my lawn mowing guy is here. So gonna, if there's I lawn mowing that. sounds in the podcast, I'm sorry. I don't know. My mic is very directional. So I can never tell. if. Yeah, it's I was worried. I shut up out my windows too. I had like a lot of the <laughs> lawn care gone outside. This is just like the peek behind the curtain of Oz kind of part of the podcast. That's right. <laughs> lawn dude. mowing dude shows up. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> tell us about your business, lawn mowing dude. <laughs> it's actually, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty happy I hired him. I mean, I was, you know, I was just going to call one of the big lawn mowing corporations and I was like, they're going to come out and they're going to try to sell me on aerating my lawn and I don't know, burying diamonds in the ground or some weird thing. Like, I'm just going
1: to hire a kid off Craigslist and yeah, yes. run his
0: own business and it's cool. He shows yeah, up, he does, the does people it. I love. Back Easy. to
1: that human connection again. It's mm-hmm. about you have that mentality. So you know how it's important to help out that type of business owner, right? Yeah. And that's where you want to be sending your money. So plus, I've been
0: that guy before. <laughs> last My last summer before college, I mowed lawns, and
1: I was very happy to have that sixty bucks every week. Yeah, boom! That goes a long way. It really does. Yeah. Um. So I I, I don't know how much time we have, but I ended up. Um, you know, I I was doing this for a long time. Did very very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a lot of money, but realized that. I wasn't happy. It wasn't really my purpose. I, I love this idea of helping other people rethink work and how they're going to be working and that this is a long-term trend happening. Uh, we see it now politically. You know, people are pretty freaked out, you know, and there is no Washington politician that is going to be able to fix this. We all have to help each other now right. and realize the the changing tenor of our economy. And and now I've taken another risk back to, you know, learning new skills. I decided to shut down this Lucrative sales training business. It took me four years to do it. I glacially shut it down to start a new business, the business I've always wanted to start. Doing it from scratch, you know, starting over again, Mm -hmm. and that's scary. But also, I feel so excited because I'm learning so much again. I'm sharpening my skills. You know, I'm going to be um, really competitive in a couple of years again. Yeah. And, uh, I think it gets hard. I will admit it gets harder and harder to do as you get older. And I, I'm so glad I'm glad I'm doing it now and not, you know, 10 years from now, because it's going to be that much harder.
0: Can you pinpoint the reasons why it becomes harder?
1: (sighs) You get more comfortable, you have Mm -hmm. less energy, you have less time. You also, at a certain point in life, you're like, you get enough figured out. You're like, I kind of like how things are. I feel it already happening to myself. I feel I'm not immediately grabbing onto something like Snapchat. We've talked about this Mm. and I, but I'm aware of it because I don't want to be in the, when I was growing up seeing a 42 year old person be like, ah, why are people on Snapchat? That doesn't make sense. You know, know, I don't want that to be my reaction. I Mm. actually talked to a lot of you. I just want to understand why, what is the benefit? Why do you use this? And I get it. Totally get it. It's just, I don't feel like it, it's, it's for me, you know, after a while, you 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 have to pick and choose the technologies that you're going to upgrade to and the ones yeah. that are going to have the most bang for my buck. And if it's not, I'm just not going to grab on to it. And I'm not going to use it.
0: Oh, I, man, I may agree with you. It's really an
1: energy thing. Yeah, I think that is, Whether that is like big it or part not. of it. The time thing. Energy
0: depletes. And you just, I feel like you have really, like when you get a significant other, there's just oh, marriage a just lot of lag time, you know? Because you want to work out together, so everyone, you know, each of you has to wait for the other one to get ready, and and all this stuff. Whereas in college, you just—I stayed up till two a.m. working on stuff. Boom! Good job. Well, you only have to think about yourself. Yeah,
1: and now that you do that. You have to think of, only have to think about yourself, and then everything's kind of taken care of for you. I, I was called college; it's like assisted living for young adults. <laughs> you know, it is a great freaking time of your life. And as my father said, "Kind of is enjoy it now, enjoy it now." And it does, it's not that it, it can't be amazing going forward, but it just you know you get more responsibilities.
0: Well, I'm gonna feel like when I move, it's it's gonna feel like that again almost because I have this house, so I have to maintain everything and when i move going right back to an apartment so i'm going through the same thing having actually, someone to maintain the building and everything
1: i'm so i we're moving in a month another month mm-hmm. and it's the same thing i've been taking care of this building for 9 years and we have a 1000 square foot garden and we're moving to like a townhouse community like totally opposite of what we really want but it's a it's temporary my wife got a really awesome job in virginia and uh i'm excited i'm like oh my god I can just call somebody and it's their problem. <laughs> yes. Yep. It's so good. Yeah.
0: So yeah. Back to, uh, back to it getting harder when you age, just try to sure. front load as much of it as you can, I guess.
1: I don't, but I think it's also, you have to, you have to challenge it. Like, and there's certain things that you have to give up. And re- I think there's a wisdom I've, at this point in my life, Mm -hmm. I still feel young and vibrant, but I'm a little bit wiser about, okay, I have to stretch every morning, you know, stretching used to be an option when I worked out, like now I have to do it every day, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel so much better for it. So I think it's about fine tuning these things. We, and we know so much because the internet and the space that you and I are in about how you can really improve the, the performance of your body at all ages, you know? So I don't feel like, at the same time, I don't want to fall into this trap that I'm a certain age in life that I can't do stuff anymore, mm. but it's a little bit more calculated and reasoning about why I'm going to do something or why I'm not going to do something. Right.
0: Okay, cool. So you've got your site up now. let's does it matter to kind of wrap up here. I want to know like, what are, what are the parts of it that a student can really benefit from right now? I know a lot of what you do is consulting for people who want to start their own businesses. And yeah. I'm sure there's people out there who want to do that. But for somebody who's a student who's just trying to learn life skills that will generally sure. benefit them, where should they go? What kind of what places should they start at?
1: I would actually the way I've written through the blog post, because I want the blog to be kind of an archive of advice. I actually I don't even have dates on it because it's timeless advice. And uh, and I think we could pull some articles to share with the students. But I There's two articles in in particular that I do want to send to you, Thomas, to share with everybody. One are the 10 life skills that matter, the 10 that I have chosen that I think are the foundation, the underlying thing that no matter what direction your life is going to take, you're probably going to have to practice a bunch of these. Right. You know, things like self-directed learning. One of my favorites, purging, you know, letting go of stuff. And by the time you get to my point in life in your early 40s, you got to let go of a lot of stuff in order to keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, Embracing discomfort right? You know, a lot of times our entire economic system is designed around making everything easy. Everything is sold to us as this is easier. You should do it. Well, it turns out that is not good for us. It's not good for mm-hmm. your brain and you do not learn as well. Like actually learning how to embrace discomfort is a good thing for you. And another article I want to share with you, Thomas, and it will for your folks is all the things you really need to learn about yourself I call learning about yourself the most important subject that's never been taught to you. And the best way to learn about yourself is to develop a self-awareness practice. So it's making a list of all of your fears, really understanding your values. You know, your values are your starting point of like, Mm. they kind of are your compass to life. So that way you're not so easily misdirected by opportunities or people. Like you kind of match those opportunities and people against your values to make sure it's the right thing for you to do. Yeah you know, understanding your energy. Like, you know, I'm a morning person. I, I need to do my most important work from seven to noon. You know, mm-hmm. some people are night owls. I like to work on weekends. or they like to have two parts of their day. So there's all these things that I, I, I think I've narrowed down to say like, this is the checklist that you should have, start getting some decent answers to. And hopefully if you start this, like after a couple of years, five, 10 years, you have really good answers and you know where you stand. Yeah. And I think if you could take the time to like, Enroll in your own university of learning about yourself and get a master's in that while you're in college. That is going to change your life. I wish somebody gave me that checklist 20 years ago. I would be living my life so differently. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think I came. And nobody at nobody this, ever taught me to it. Nobody I came ever at self awareness from different, a different direction than you did. Uh, I mean, what was for, your? How would
1: you describe your direction?
0: Mine was. Well, I mean, I think it started. It started with the journaling during the internship and learning about the kind of work I wanted to do. But what really accelerated was, and I've, I've told this story before, it's ridiculous, but I read this stupid Harry Potter fanfic called Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, which is a Harry Potter story masquer. Or it's it's a crash course on rationality and heuristics and biases and all the things that Kahneman and Tversky talked about, masquerading as a Harry Potter story, which is the most ridiculous thing ever. But it's absolutely genius. It's one of my favorite books, and I read that. And it's not exactly the story that led me down this path. It was going and reading the author's nonfiction stuff, because he he has you know years and years of blog posts about rationality, about heuristics and biases. Started reading all this stuff, understanding why my mind does certain things, why it's wrong, or why it's looking at the world in an accurate way, and um, I did that. Pretty pretty recently after meeting my girlfriend, and I was very concerned with not making the same mistakes that I had made in my previous relationships. So, mm.
1: changing your patterns, calling yourself out on your patterns. yes.
0: So now you know if I if I get annoyed with her, or we you know there's like I can sense like the, a fight could start. It's yeah, like the dispassionate scientist portion of the brain is sitting back, going, "Okay, you want to say this thing now, but it's not going to work out for you if you do." So. It is the hardest thing in the world,
1: but say you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Those exactly. Kind of things, it's you know? back to like, this is going to save me a lot of emotional pain and time. Mm-hmm. Just,
0: I, so I agree. It's a very different direction, but it, I agree and with you that it's so important.
1: And it's so hard. I mean, you're, you're bringing out that point a part of self-awareness is really calling yourself out on at least doing a, an initial kind of a best you can inventory of why do you think you way you do? Why do you hold these beliefs mm. that are, can be confrontational with others or you're confrontational with others, or you get a lot of physical sensations. And let me tell you, that's probably the hardest part of self-awareness is to unpack all that stuff and be yeah. like, oh yeah, that's not what I really believe. I think I might have an idea of where this came from. And now I can yeah. let that go and mourn it and realize that I'm okay and they're okay and you can move on.
0: So one little tip i wanted to add in because you you mentioned writing down a list of your fears yeah just yesterday i felt like this general anxiety kind of just bugging me Mm. so i just wrote on my whiteboard and martin was in the room i didn't even do this in private i wrote anxieties and i drew a line and i wrote out all the things that were worrying me i was like okay you know sales in this particular part of my business are a little bit low for july that's giving me anxiety the speech i have to write coming up in a month that's giving me anxiety and all the videos haven't put out a video in a few weeks anxiety that kind of stuff and once am,
1: it was written down it was like oh
0: this isn't so bad it's, it's I, externalized
1: this is why i i ugh, you're awesome i this is why i just love talking to you because i have done the same things oh yeah and i have excel spreadsheets full of anxieties <laughs> And then I write <laughs> notes to them, be like, where did it come from? Where did I get excellence. over this? <laughs> and, but you're right. It does. It actually just the writing of it down, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is really not a big deal. Uh-huh. Like you're being cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like, you know? Yeah. It's funny. There,
0: there are sometimes where I'll read academic tips and then I fail to make the connection, even though, you know, I, I have this entire business telling people that college is not all that different from the real world. Uh, you know, I made a whole video about, Test anxiety. If you write out your fears about your test before you go into the test on a little scrap of paper, it will help you get over test anxiety, and has been demonstrated to give you better grades. But never made the connection to, oh, if you have other general anxieties outside of the testing room, do that as well.
1: So and then I sometimes, we, and then sometimes we don't even know what it is. That's mm-hmm. the tough one. That's where, as you get better and better, you can start to see patterns or journaling. Around yeah. it, so because sometimes you don't even know how to describe why you're feeling the way that you do, and take mm-hmm. some time to think about it and some self-reflection. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to send you the ten life skills that matter. Okay, the uh everything you need to learn about yourself, and then just for anybody who's listening, who is kind of in the back of their head thinks they might want to work for themselves, I want to send them a question if they can answer it for me. I'm going to have a, a little landing page what is holding you back? I just want to know. And I've gotten a lot of great responses and that's really the, kind of the genesis of what I'm trying to do is like, I want to s- solve this problem for people of, of what is holding you back. And I will tell you one thing I've learned. It is not about learning business tactics. It yeah. has everything to do with self-awareness, life skills, and knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean I you conquer I that, you, you'll sail through.
0: I can give you one. And I mean, I, I don't know. I may have told you this in one of our little Jedi Council meetings before. Um, I have heard people who say, you know, I have a full time job now and it completely drains me, you know, and I I work so early in the morning that I can't even wake up super early to do my project. So I got to go to work. And by the time I get home, it's I just have no motivation. You know, my brain rages against that because I would just want to say, well, if you if you want it that bad, just do it. But I know my brain isn't the brain that resides inside the head of every human being. So
1: and I feel like I I can provide for that. I, I I swear I did not provide any prep <laughs> to Thomas. I love how you keep, just keep gently setting things up for me. And like, well, mm-hmm. you know what's so funny? The very first piece of advice I tell people is so when you're working and, 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 and you'll know, maybe even college. I tell people who are working to leave work on time, and on average, people will get an hour back every single day in their lives. And what that starts to do is all of a sudden, because when we're working, we're kind of trying to please other people. We're thinking mm. about that promotion, that other responsibility, or there's some little political fight that res- that's going on. But all of a sudden, when you re- realize that this whole working for somebody else is not going to be your thing forever, all of a sudden, you, you leave work on time. Don't go into work any earlier than you have to. All of a sudden, you, it forces you to be productive again. You're like, mm. what are my real responsibilities? What do I really need to do to do my job decently? I don't need to like go over the moon anymore. Yeah. And then that's five hours back in your life every week. And actually, then I, I simultaneously, the next piece of advice I give to people is to schedule time with yourself as an appointment on your calendar, as if you are your most important client, Ooh, because yeah. you are. Yeah. So that extra hour is then you're going to go meet with your client and you're going to go wherever you need to go without distractions. And even if you just sit in a park and just start thinking about it, but all of a sudden you're giving time to it and thought to it. And Mm -hmm. that's a starting, point. a lot of people think that's not enough. And I would say you've actually now created a beachhead, a toehold in your life to say, this is part of my life now. If I tracked my time, I could say, oh yeah, five hours a week. I think about and try to do something to make this transition to self-employment. Yeah. And a lot of people think that's too simple, but I'm telling you, that's where you got to start.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome, dude. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. And I well, guess for you and I are going to talk tomorrow morning. <laughs>
1: we are. <laughs> so I'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, have a good day, man. And thanks. And everybody college was some of the best years of my life you're mm-hmm. so lucky enjoy it and i know you're going to do awesome and uh if there's anything I, I could ever uh you know answer for you thomas knows where to find me
0: yeah oh so i guess i forgot to mention because i mean we're going to have those articles linked up in the show sure. notes so i would say probably go to the show notes to get those specific yeah articles. do go it's, to the show notes like
1: go to thomas's website
0: list. uh your website is life skills that
1: mm-hmm. and then are you on the Twitter, I'm on the, I'm on know the, know the Snapchats, but <laughs> not yet. If my community wants me to be there. I will. I'm on Twitter uh, at Stephen Warley. S T E P H E N W A R L E Y. Cool.
0: All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to this interview. Hopefully, you found it helpful and interesting. And if you want to find those show notes with all the resource links we mentioned, you'll find those over at cigpodcast.com slash 126. And you'll also find a link to rate and review the podcast on iTunes over on that page. And if you want to help support the show and you want to help see it grow into the future, then that is one way you can definitely lend some support. So thank you so much if you do. And that is all I've got for this week's episode. So once again, thanks for listening, and I will see you in the next week. Stay cute.